starting a brand new series. We're calling it Bold. Could I get all of you to boldly say Bold? Bold. That was really good. That was incredible. But let's say it again. Everybody bold. Bold. Come on. Could I get everybody to say bold one more time? Bold. Yes. Amen. See, I've been trying to walk boldly lately with the Lord. I really have. I'm in a season, about four or five years of me trying to live boldly for the Lord. And, And the more and more that I'm walking through this Christian life, the more I'm convinced that the Christian life was meant to be bold. And as Christians, here's a question. Where does our boldness come from? Jesus. Holy Spirit, you bet. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. Now, there's a spiritually immature way to use that boldness and a spiritually mature way to use that boldness. Here's a funny picture to demonstrate this a little bit. It says, excuse me, ma'am, I'd like to take a minute to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's chasing after her. That's not real. That's supposed to be a joke. See, it's a funny picture, but we've all kind of seen it, right? That's the creepy part about it. When you go to the Seahawks game and there's the guy that's talking to you and you're running away from him. Have you ever had that happen? Absolutely. It drives me nuts. You got to use discernment. You got to use tact when you live boldly for the Lord. Without spiritual maturity, your boldness is going to make a mess. It's just going to make a mess. You're going to make a mess in your church. You're going to make a mess in your family. You're going to burn all the bridges you ever have with your friends, ruining any influence that you might have had with them. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. That's not what Jesus had in mind when he gave us the Holy Spirit. And that's not what we're going to be encouraging you over the next four weeks to do. But we are going to be encouraging you to follow the footsteps of those early disciples and those early apostles. And I pray that by the time we are done over this next four weeks, that we'd come to understand that this Christian life was meant to be bold. Scary, but bold. But first, would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, even now I know that there are people sitting here going, oh, this is not me. Bold is not my ticket. But Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts, that we could just rest, Lord, and hear what your word has to say. Hear what you might want to say to us, Lord. And even if we've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, you might want to say something new today to us, Lord. You might want to challenge us. You might want to stir us up by your Holy Spirit. So we say, have your way. Have your way. Speak to us today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The Christian life was meant to be bold. But for so many of us, we struggle, don't we? We struggle to walk confidently in the Lord. You know, I've really enjoyed the last four or five years of my life. I decided I was just going to stop trying so hard to please everybody. I was going to be a fool for Christ. I was just talking to Joe and Nick about that. I decided to be a fool for Christ. And when you live that way, guess what? God gives you opportunities to be a fool for Christ. And we were at the Cannon Beach Conference Center this last week. Wonderful vacation, lots of really good food, good worship, a great speaker. They got games for the kids. They got activities for the families. You get to have a salmon bake on the beach and s'mores on the beach. They have a carnival. It's just in a, it's a really good week at the ocean. But they also have 12 sessions that you attend. Pretty much church services, a half hour of worship and an hour sermon. 18 hours total during your week of vacation, you're hanging out at church. And one of those first sessions, the main speaker, his name was Bill Farrell. If you've ever heard of uh, women are like spaghetti, men are like waffles. Uh, He was the speaker. And he invited people up for prayer uh, at the end of the service. 
And um, I felt like the Lord was telling me not to come up for prayer, but to come up and kneel at the altar. Now, there was no altar, but God, I felt like he was telling me that I needed to come forward and kneel. God, he was, he was helping me out. He, he was giving me some pretty big signs that this was his leading. One was the fact that the worship team was up and they were singing the song at the foot of the cross. So if there was ever a time to kneel at the foot of the cross, it would probably be during the song at the foot of the cross. But see, no one else was doing that. No one else was doing that. I'm at a conference. I, in fact, I don't even know what denomination this conference is affiliated with. I mean, I don't even know if it's legal to do such a thing. I mean, would they kick me out of the sanctuary? Maybe kick my whole family out of the conference if I came forward and knelt? So I kind of came up with this list of excuses for not going up. But then in my heart, I said this. I said, God, I, I guess I kind of made a deal with God. I said, God, I'm nervous about going up. But I kind of feel like that's what you're telling me to do. So I need some help. And it sounds silly now, but this is what I said. I said, God, if the worship team plays another song, I'll go up. And I kind of felt like you said, okay. So I'm like, okay, we got to deal with God. So they're singing at the foot of the cross. And then they finish. And you know the rest of the story. They go right into another song. So I'm in the middle of the row. And I'm like, Mary, I got to go. I got to get out. And I, I get out and I go up forward. And I begin to worship the Lord. I kneel before him and I just put my hands out. I said, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. I'm all in. And it was a beautiful time between me and the Lord. A beautiful time. All because I was bold, willing to be a fool for Christ. I got to be honest. No one else joined me. It didn't start this big kneeling thing. I was the only one. I, when I was done, I left. In fact, the rest of the week, not one other person went. The five years I've gone, no one's ever. In fact, for the 20 years I'll be there, probably no one will ever go and kneel. But I did. And boldness. That's what we're going to be talking about. Boldness. Invite your friends to this series. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Invite anyone that you want to know uh, Christ. Invite them to church. These four weeks will be on the theme of bold. We're going to look at these different stories from the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts, it fires me up. It, it, uh, I love the book of Acts. It encourages me in my faith. It stirs me up. It reminds me to always live a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Acts, you got the Old Testament and then you got the New Testament. Acts is in, anyone know? New Testament. You got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we slide into Acts. How about another one? Anyone know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. That's right. Luke wrote the book. Luke was a medical doctor. And Luke captured some of the, I guess, the highlights of the very first these New Testament Christian gathering of people that were following Jesus. And one of the themes that dominates the book of Acts is this theme of boldness. And when you read the book of Acts, does it just blow your mind? I mean, it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I used to ask myself, Lord, why don't we see Acts type miracles in our world or at least in our country today? Well, I would say part of the answer is we don't have that bold faith. And we don't have the bold actions that those people had. And I'm so excited to study the word with you and look at these examples of boldness. I want to start off with a couple of definitions. And then we're going to build a lay, kind of lay a foundation today. And we're going to build upon that over the next couple of weeks. So go ahead and pull out your notes if you have notes. Uh, this is a great notes day, by the way. Um, do we have any extra notes? If you want notes and a pen, raise your hand and we'll pass that around. This is a good notes day, so 
all you note takers, this, this is heaven. Anybody else need notes? Pen, pencil? All right, so here's my definition for boldness. What is boldness? Boldness is behavior born out of belief. It's behavior born out of belief. It's because what you believe determines how you behave. I think we understand that. If, if you believe everybody's going to criticize you, you're going to kind of act tentatively. If you believe you're probably going to fail, you're going to step out cautiously. But if you believe that the one true Lord is calling you, empowering you, leading you, equipping you, you're going to live very boldly. Why? Because boldness is behavior born out of belief. In fact, if you're taking notes, the Greek word that's translated as boldness is the word parisia. This word means more than just speaking. It means outspokenness. It means assurance. It means courage. It means confidence. It means to act without fear. I'm praying with all my heart today, church, that the Lord would give us courage, that the Lord would give us an outspoken spirit, that he would give us a desire to act without fear, that God would make us bold. And let me tell you where we're going with this series. Next week, we're going to talk about bold prayers, bold prayers, because honestly, when I'm in a group praying with others, they're often praying very timid and almost passive prayers. And, you know, God loves it when we pray. But some of us, we just struggle to pray with boldness. And often I think God hears our prayers and he says, you know, that's great. But could you give me a tough one? I'm the God of the universe. Give me something that will require my supernatural power to be on display. So we're going to look at praying, praying bold and courageous prayers of faith. And then we're going to talk about being bold in our speech, because when you look through the scripture over and over and over again in the book of Acts, you're going to see words like they spoke the word of God boldly. They preached boldly. They were courageous in their example. And we're going to see people who were not afraid to speak the name of Jesus and the word of God. They weren't trying to be politically correct. No, instead, out of love, they were willing to be bold. And then we're going to look at bold obedience. So important and something that I think is lacking in the Christian community. Bold obedience. So important. We are going to see women and men who would rather be persecuted, even killed, than to disobey God. Than to disobey the God who saved them through his son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at bold obedience. And I pray with all my heart that God would do a spiritual stirring in this church. And that we would have a boldness born out of belief. And the one true God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could live. So everybody say bold. Bold. Say it again. All right, let's jump in. Uh, We're going to start with a guy named Peter. Remember Peter? Peter. I love Peter. A lot of you are able to relate to Peter. I know that I can. Peter, he's that guy that we characterize as he had these bold intentions, right? Bold intentions often followed by timid results right timid actions and the stories go on and on about peter one of the most well-known stories of his bold intentions he he declares boldly before jesus he says hey if all these other losers turn away from you i'm I'm never gonna do it jesus i'm your guy jesus i'm your man i'll never deny you i've got your back i'll boldly stand by you that day before it ended three times peter denied christ once to even a little schoolgirl. Bold intentions followed by timid actions. But later something happened to Peter, didn't it? And I pray that something would happen to us as well. 
When Jesus died and three days later he rose again, Peter encounters Jesus. And you can read it in John 21. But Jesus essentially says this. He says, hey, Peter, you're forgiven. It's cool. You're good. You're still on the team. You're reinstated. Stand up. Get out. Go out. Let it go. Be bold. Go. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my people. And something like a switch flipped inside of Peter. And with that day, also paired with the wonderful day of Pentecost, this guy who used to be timid, he goes out and he stands before a huge group of people and he preaches one of the boldest messages in history. He said, listen to this, he said, you are a corrupt generation. That's not very politically correct. He says, you're a corrupt generation. He says, you need to turn from your sins. You need to repent in the name of Jesus Christ and be baptized. 3,000 people were saved that day. The New Testament church takes off, just explodes. Peter is bold. He's on fire. And they begin to believe God for big things. Now, one day, he and John, they're walking along. And they see a guy who had been lame for more than 40 years. Not lame like he was boring or dull, but he, he was lame. He couldn't walk. This guy, 40 years. 40 years. Imagine in today's world what that would look like. Maybe it's someone in a wheelchair that for 40 years they can't walk. And they go up to this guy and they say, in the name of Jesus, get up, walk. Do you remember what happens? He does. This is big news. This is big news. All of a sudden, this stirs all kinds of controversy because everybody around knew that this guy couldn't walk. He had been healed. And so the temple guards, under the command of the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers of the day, they send some guys out to arrest Peter and John. They go to them, they get them, and they put them on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And here's what the Sanhedrin would do. They would actually, all of them in their robes, they'd sit in this circle, and they'd put you right in the middle while you're on trial to intimidate you. They would hurl questions from all directions, and they would decide your fate. Well, you know, we're going to beat you or maybe imprison you or we're going to kill you. And they would get to decide. So Peter and John, they're right in the middle. And one person asks, by what name and by what authority do you do these things? What name and what authority do you do these things? Man, look at the opportunity they have. They can say anything. They could say something to save their necks, right? But no, here's their bold response. Acts 4, 8. Then filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, this isn't his power. It's the power of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. They said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you know, do you want to know how he was healed? Now watch this boldness. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the, what is he going to say? Come on, this is the chance. This is the chance to be bold. What is he going to say? He's going to say it. You know he is. He's not holding back. Help me, everybody. Say it together with me. He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Hallelujah. And then just, I guess, he takes the knife, kind of sticks it in, twists it just a little bit for effect. He says, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Now, I can't possibly overstate how bold this is. The Sanhedrin hated Jesus. They hated him. They were glad he was gone. They never wanted to hear about him or from him again. And many of them, they believed that the resurrection from the dead was impossible. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so Peter points right at these people who had the power to kill him. And he says, you killed Jesus, but he's back. He's raised from the dead. Essentially, he makes a statement and he says, 
He talks about Jesus and it's directly opposed to them. And it kind of gets a reaction out of them. Now, what's really interesting to me is that 2000 years ago, what was the most controversial name? Jesus, right? 2000 years later, what name brings the most controversy? Jesus, I mean, think about it. I mean, in our world today, you can be spiritually bold. I believe that. You can be spiritually bold about all sorts of things, and and it's fine. I'm I'm talking about spiritually bold, right? Everybody likes a little God talk. Everybody likes a little spirituality talk. Uh, Maybe a little angel or spirit talk. You're going to find it in movies. You're going to find it on TV. You're going to find it in books. But it's just when you bring the name of Jesus that everybody gets freaked out. I mean, let's be honest, you can go on a talk show like Oprah, you can talk about a higher power all day long. Oh, yeah, you know, that's good. And that's that's interesting. Oh, and God did this and the spirit did this. And I'm a spiritual person. I've got spirituality. Ooh, ah. But, you know, as soon as you say Jesus, everything changes, doesn't it? Recently, I was reading an article by a Navy chaplain who was punished for praying in the name of Jesus. And he mentioned how the city council in Longview, Washington, this past March, tried to ban prayers that were prayed in the name of Jesus before council meetings. So they could pray. They just couldn't pray in the name of Jesus. I think this is becoming more and more common. You can pray in God's name, the Lord's name, the big guy's name, your name, their name, anybody's name. You just can't pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's something about that name. There's something about that name. And so Peter, he points right at them and he says, Jesus, you killed him and he's coming back. The religious leaders, they had quite the reaction, didn't they? I mean, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They couldn't believe what they're hearing. Go ahead and put verse 13 up there. It says the members of the council What were they? Would you all say it aloud? They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. For the rest of our time, we're going to spend time on that verse. We're going to break it down into three bold facts. And I pray that this morning these truths would just drive deep within your heart, within your soul. So we're going to start with number one. Fact number one, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. He gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Let's look at that again. The leaders could see that Peter and John were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. The Greek word that's translated as ordinary is the word idiotes, which means unlearned. It can mean unschooled. It can mean ordinary. But the most literal translation for the word idiotes, anyone have a guess to what that might be? That's right. It's the word idiot. And I love it. I think that's great. The Bible translators, they were just a little too polite. But the most literal translation is these guys were amazed. They couldn't believe the boldness of these idiots. And here's the deal. If you're the best of the best, if you're the brightest of the brightest, hey, God can still use you. He can. I promise you. It's just that God specializes in using idiots. He does. He loves using ordinary people. Do you know how much that encourages me? Sometimes I feel like I just am not the sharpest tool in the world. But yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
God still uses me. God loves to take ordinary people and give them extra, extraordinary boldness. He loves to take people that others overlook and give them boldness. But, you know, kind of, this is one of the things I hear from time to time. I hear this a lot from my Christian brothers and sisters. You'll say, you know, yeah, Pastor Dan, I'm a Christian. I'm just not naturally bold. I'm just kind of a quiet person. I'm not a seminary guy. I'm not a teacher of the Bible. You know, I'm just a home, stay at home mom. You know, I'm just a student. You know, I'm just a dude. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Ah, could we stop the I'm just? No more excuses. There are no I'm just in the kingdom of God. I want to say it again. There are no more I'm just in the kingdom of God. There are so many different ways to be bold. So many different ways. You may be in your workplace and you hear everybody's gossiping. Have you ever been in a workplace where everybody gossips? I have. Oh, absolutely. And blah, 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 blah. And you're going to say, you know what? Because of my faith, I'm not going to be a part of this. And you walk off. Guess what you just were? You were bold. You are bold. Maybe you're a girl and you love God. You love him. But all of your friends, let's be honest, they're dressed in so inappropriately. They're going out in the town and they look like. I'm not even going to say it. You know how they look. They, they are half naked. Things showing that shouldn't be shown. There I go again. But you can make a decision to be modest, to honor God. And they're going to pressure you. You bet it's going to be hard. They're going to pressure you to dress like them. You won't feel a greater pressure than the peer pressure you feel in high school. But you can make up your mind to say no and not dress that way. Guess what you just were? Guess what you are? You are bold. You might be a guy and all your buddies, they're chasing women. They're looking for a one-night stand. And they're all objectifying every girl and woman that they meet. And you decide, you know what? I'm not going to treat them like they're objects. I'm actually going to treat women like they were created in the image of God. And I'm going to honor my future wife that I have not yet met and my present God who calls me to different standards. I'm not doing that. And guess what you are? You are bold. You might be in a business deal and you could make a lot of money on it, but you're looking at it and you say, you know what? I just don't feel right about it. It's not ethical. And you walk away from a very profitable business deal because of your faith. I know some of you in this room have had to do that. And what were you? You were bold. God takes ordinary people and he gives them extraordinary boldness. I'll give you an example. Have any of you ever watched the show Chopped? It's on the Food Network. I love the show Chopped. They give you this basket of mystery ingredients, and you got to make this creative, tasty dish in the allotted time that they give you. And you're competing against other chefs. And so if your food isn't good enough, guess what? You're chopped. Not really chopped. They're they're still alive. They get to go home to their families. But you're chopped. You're taken off the show. I love it. Highly competitive. Only one winner. Totally the kind of show that I like. Anyways, there's this guy. He's competing on the show. And he kept on witnessing to the other competitors during the show. This girl, she falls down. She spills like boiling water on her. She burns her leg. He says in the show, I want to pray for you. Later on, he tells the story about how he used to be a really mean guy, but how God changed his life. And then at the end of the show, he wins the $10,000. $10,000. And suddenly, he stops. And he confesses before a national audience that he wanted to share the money with the runner-up. To the shock of everyone, to the shock of the judges and the host and the competitor, he does one of the boldest things ever. He gives money to the other competitor so she can go travel to France, see her grandmother that's going to pass away soon. 
And he does all of this because he felt like that's what God was calling him to do. The judges are getting all emotional. They're clapping all because an ordinary guy takes a moment to obey God, represent him on national TV and makes God look great. Understand today that God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Thought number two, if you're taking notes, your boldness will amaze the world. It will amaze the world. When you become spiritually bold for the glory of God, your boldness will amaze the world. Verse 13 says, the members of the council, what were they? Help me, everybody. Say it with me. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And why were they amazed? Because they knew they, knew they could kill these guys. They knew. And yet these guys, Peter and John, they didn't care. Sanhedrin is like, wow, this is crazy. And they were amazed. It's almost like, you know, I'm not sure I believe in what Peter and John are saying, but I know they believe in what they're saying. And I'm not sure I agree, but wow, do they believe it. And so the council is amazed. They're truly amazed. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Randy, it's Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy I, he and I, we met at Denny's for a meeting. Which, by the way, is a heart attack on a plate, especially what he had us get. He's like, yeah, you can get like bacon and sausage and pancakes and waffles and steak and ham. And it's all together and a drink. (laughs) Oh, that that day was brutal for me. But (laughs) anyways, (laughs) last time, never mind, I won't even go there. So we, we go into that restaurant and he was there first and I came in later. And he was sitting down and he said, hey, did you see that girl that was sitting out there? And I was like, no. And he says, well, she just got dropped off by the police and she said she's waiting for a ride, but I'd love to buy her breakfast. Is it cool if we buy her breakfast? I said, you know, sure, whatever. And Randy tells the waitress that we wanted to buy her breakfast. Ended up being that the girl wasn't hungry. just wanted a ride. So we continued to eat and had our meeting. Well, afterwards, we went our separate ways. I hopped into my car, drove out onto the road. And but when I looked back at the parking lot, I saw Randy standing there next to that girl. He had he had walked across the parking lot because now she was out by the street to go talk to her. He knew that God loved that girl. And so he boldly walked over and he told that lady how much God loved her. And I remember just driving by and just going, wow, wow. I was amazed by his boldness. And here's the question I would ask you. When was the last time somebody was amazed by your boldness? When was it? In fact, I got a little chart for you on your notes. I'd love for you to look at it. It's on your, on your sermon notes. I'll ask it to you this way. How amazed are people by your spiritual boldness? How amazed are they by your spiritual boldness? There's one through ten. Ten being the highest. One, they haven't been amazed in years. I want you just to take a moment. <laughs> Just take a moment. Ask yourself. Be honest. What what would it be? How amazed on a scale from one to ten? Don't look at each other's papers. It's not a competition. No judging. (laughs) Honest evaluation. You know, what's exciting to me is there are people I know in our church that are a nine and ten. There are. You're such an encouragement to me in my faith. People like Kathy Ford and Rich Juman and Adam Hoffman. Another person I think about right away is Emmanuel. Remember Emmanuel? Come on. He's an evangelist who came in. He spoke to us this last year. He is bold. And, and his boldness, I just feel like it comes with integrity. 
It's a boldness that comes with integrity. He has that kind of boldness where you're serving people faithfully in Jesus' name, where you're encouraging them, where, where you're living with integrity, where they look at you and they say, you know, there's just something different about this person. When you're so generous with your money and your heart and your time, when, you, you, when you've served your way into people's lives and therefore you've earned the right to say, I love you, can I tell you about my God? That's Emmanuel. In fact, recently, Ray Wright, he forwarded an email written by Emmanuel, and I wanted to read you that letter. He says, hello, man of God. Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the grace of the almighty God, I was able to go to the mall on Monday and Friday, 10 to 11 a.m. and 3 to 4 p.m. On Monday, June 10th, the mall manager introduced me to some shop owners in the mall. They expressed their excitement about here or after hearing about the prayer ministry I have brought to them all. They mentioned to me that they have been praying that the Lord brings someone for his ministry to them all. So my coming is an answered prayer. An elder man I suspect to be in his late 70s or early 80s came to attack me because according to him, God is a mass murderer because of the flood story in Genesis. In my attempt to share with him the gospel truth, which he didn't want to listen I found my time consumed with the argument. The Lord has given me wisdom to handle such situations after the hours I am to be at the mall so that people who need my help could get access to me. Join me to pray that the Lord will reveal himself to that man. On Friday, June 14th, a lady came to me and she needed someone to pray with her because her doctor had diagnosed that she has cancer of the liver, which is so complicated that the doctor said there is no cure for her and that she has up to six months to live. I've written on paper, I am here to help. Do you have a need for prayer? This is in the mall. He has a piece of paper that says, I am here to help. Do you have a need for prayer? That was what the woman saw, and she came to me. She has strong faith that Jesus can heal her, and she was looking for a Christian who also has strong faith to stand with her in prayer. She mentioned to me that she believes in her heart that it is because of her that I set up the table to pray for people. She came from out of the city to see her doctor, and she met me. Pray for healing for her. Her name is Debbie. I am thankful to the Lord that he has chosen me to reveal himself to people through their situations. Thank you. God bless you. Emmanuel. Wow. A prayer ministry in the mall. If you've been to the mall lately, they're not the most open places, the prayer ministry. But there he is with a table that says, how can I help you? Can I pray for you? That is boldness. That is boldness. Some of you might say, well, I'm not Emmanuel. I'm I'm not a nine or a ten. Well, what do I do if I'm not? What do I do? Well, that leads to point number three. Point number three. If you say I'm lower than that, point number three is very important. What we need to know is spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. At the end of verse 13, it says they also recognized these guys as men who had been with Jesus. How in the world could Peter stand in the face of possible death and declare what he did? It's because he knew Jesus. He could be bold because he had been with Jesus. Here's the key. You have to remember this. This is very important. Boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal. Boldness is always a byproduct of knowing Jesus. Does that make sense? 
See, when Emmanuel lives daily in God's word, which I know that he lives daily in God's word, when he's praying every day, God, direct me. God, give me people to minister to. God, give me opportunities to show your love. When you live like that, when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you're going to see opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be bold. Why? Because you've had time with Jesus. In fact, on your notes, there's a little circle there on your notes. I want you to do this. By number one... Put in time, time, time with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, it's going to lead to number two, number two, which is faith. As your faith in Jesus grows, it leads to number three, which is boldness. Write down boldness. As your boldness grows, it leads to results. Guess what? When you see spiritual results, you're going to spend a little more time with Jesus And when you spend a little more time with Jesus, you're going to have a little more faith. and You're going to start praying a little bit bigger prayers and you're going to see God work. And when you see God work, it leads to boldness, which then leads to acts type miracles and acts type results, which leads to more time with Jesus. Do you see how it goes on and on and on? Problem is the opposite is true as well. When you don't spend time with Jesus, pay attention. When you don't spend time with Jesus, you're not going to have much faith. And you're not going to be bold and you're not going to see results. And then you're not going to want to spend much more time with Jesus. And then guess what? You're living your life for the lower things of the world. Wondering why you're empty the whole time. Have you ever been on that downward cycle before? You bet. It's a terrible cycle to be on. But this morning, if you're a two or a three or a one or a five, guess what? I've got... Great news for you. See, your upside is huge. Your upside is huge. It's huge. I mean, there is so much more that God wants to use you to do to make a difference in this world. Be encouraged. I'm telling you, you are here for a purpose. If you're a two or a three, I'm telling you today, you are here for a purpose. God wants to stir you up. About five years ago, this this is a wonderful story. There was this guy, uh, a family friend. I was living in Spokane. He was living on this side of the mountains. And he had a definite crisis. He was ready to leave his wife. He lived on this side of the mountains. I lived in Spokane. When he told me he was leaving, I said, hey, can we meet in the middle? Can we meet in the middle? Can we meet in Ellensburg so we can talk? And he said, yes. And so he, I take a vacation day, I, I leave Spokane, I slept in the back of our van in a KOA down by Ellensburg, and I met him the next morning, and we just talked for hours. We talked for hours, and while we were there, we even took a metal detector, and we went out to this trail that was in the middle of nowhere, and we, we found this love letter that he and his wife had written to each other ten years earlier that they had buried underneath a tree. Toward the end of our time together, I said, I just asked him, I said, hey, Do you guys, and he had a wife and he had four kids. I said, do you guys want to go to the Cannon Beach family camp with us? So I asked the man who's trying to divorce his wife if he and his wife wanted to go on a seven-night family camp vacation with us. That's an absurd request, by the way. That's crazy. Yet, listen to this. He went home and he told his wife that he wanted to go and that they were going whether she wanted to or not. So he is trying to leave her, yet he is telling her that they're going on this family vacation. I wrote to the conference director. I told him what was going on. They gave him a a scholarship so that they could come. While at the conference, I had a meeting with my friend. It lasted until 2 in the morning. He gave all the reasons why he was leaving his wife. 
But by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, within a couple of weeks, he had completely broken down. He had repented of all his ways. He had asked for forgiveness. That family and that marriage is still together by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was truly a miracle. But it was a miracle that required boldness on the part of myself and on the part of several other people that were close to him and his family to do radical things like sleeping in our van, our gross kid infested van. Oh, that's not really bad. Kid infested. I love my kids. Just, just anyways. <laughs> and I asked the family that was splitting apart to go on vacation with us. Crazy decisions that don't make sense. But isn't that how it is sometimes with the Lord when you're bold in the Lord? Christian brother and sister, here's the deal. You have the Holy Spirit within you. He leads and he guides you into all truth. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Even when it's foolishness to the world. As a Christian, you are bold. Get over it. As a Christian, you are bold. It's part of the deal. Not because you get a kick out of being bold, but because like Peter and John, you've been with Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.20 says, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. That's you. When you're in the word of God, when you're living by the spirit, your everyday attitude towards life says, I can't stop talking about Jesus. And it doesn't matter if the circumstances of life are good, bad or ugly. You can't stop talking about Jesus. That's the life God is calling us to. You can make a difference like that, but first you got to spend time with Jesus. Number one, you got to spend time with Jesus and he's going to grow your faith and he's going to give you a boldness and you will see results. You will see fruit. Life spring, I refuse to have us be a half-hearted, lukewarm church. we got to be the real deal. We must fall so in love with him that we are overflowing with a spiritual boldness of love and compassion to help people who don't yet know the joy of life in Christ. Today, if you're on that lower end of the scale, if you're a one or a two or, or anything lower than a nine, you've got ton of upside, like I said. And isn't that good news? But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would stir you up. That God would give you a spirit of boldness. And for many of you this morning, that means you need a baptism of the spirit. You need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to move upon you in power. A baptism of the Holy Spirit is crucial to living the life God has called you to live. I don't know how I could live this life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit continually leads us to Jesus and he strengthens our faith. You know, after an encounter with the Holy Spirit and his great power, often you're going to have this insatiable desire to read God's word. Often you're going to have this passion to worship God and a passion to fellowship with other believers. It's also frequently accompanied by speaking in tongues. You know, when I was baptized in the spirit, to be honest, I I didn't begin to speak in tongues. I, I received my prayer language a couple years later. But when you read the Bible, you're going to see it again and again and again where people speak in tongues when they're baptized in the spirit. But more than anything, the baptism of the spirit gives you an incredible boldness to proclaim Jesus to the world. My life was transformed forever, never to be the same. I love the boldness that the Lord has given me for his kingdom and for the lost. And I want that for everyone in this room this morning. So would you bow your heads? Everybody praying. God, I ask that you, by your spirit, would do a work in us that only you can do. 
Lord, there are those of us in this room this morning that would say, when I evaluate myself on this scale, I'm a one or a two. I'm lower than a nine. I'm somewhere lower, but I want to be higher. Jesus, I really want to know you so much that boldness is a byproduct of my relationship with you. That as I am filled with your spirit, I will overflow with boldness. If that's you this morning, with all heads bowed, would you just be bold and lift your hands right now? Amen. Just be really honest. Just lift up your hands right now. Just lift them up. Amen. All across the room. Thank you. Put your hands up. That was wonderful. God, I thank you today for those who really actually want to make a bigger difference. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, that instead of them just trying to be, go- to be bold, that they would simply just press into you, Lord. That they would know your heart and that your Holy Spirit would fill them and lead them and that your word would feed them. God, I pray that throughout the series that we would just have this God awareness, these these God eyes of faith like never before. We would see divine opportunities to share your love, to be bold, not for the sake of being bold, but because within our gut, we know we have to share about you, Jesus, because this world, this world needs to know how good you really are. And God, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, we can be different and we can be changed, just like Peter was changed, that we will be different in your presence as you help us to be bold. So, Lord, those who have raised their hands, they say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Those who raise their hands say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in them, Lord. Right now, have your way in us today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We want all of you, all that you might have for us today, Lord. You saw the boldness of them raising their hands. You saw, you saw their faith. You saw their heart. So give them the good gifts that you so desire to give us, Lord. Lord, we pray for that baptism of the Spirit. We pray for a feeling, Lord, an empowering. Because we want to be bold for you, Jesus. We want to reach this world for your kingdom, God. And we can't do it on our own. We need you. We are desperate for you, Jesus. We are desperate for your Holy Spirit. Lord, can we just get past the idea of the Holy Spirit being this weird thing that we don't like to talk about? Can that just be dead and gone, Lord? There is no other Christian life than the life lived by the Spirit. The Christian life outside of the Spirit will just fail miserably. (laughs) We will all end up hanging out with the pigs. Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. Fill us up even now. Have your way. Have your way in this room, Lord. Have your way in this room. Have your way in this church. Keep on praying. Nobody look around for a moment. Lord, continue to do your work. Continue to stir us up, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. More of you, God. More of you, God. More of you, Lord. More of your Holy Spirit. More of you, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to you, God. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. More of you, God. More of you, Jesus. There is a lost world out there, Lord, that needs to know you, Jesus. There's a lost world that is heading straight to hell, Lord. But by your love, they can be saved. By your son, Jesus Christ, they can be saved. And you want to use us today, Lord, to reach this lost world. And we can only do it by the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Have your way. Fall fresh on us today, Lord. Renew us. Renew our minds, Lord, today. Fill us up, God. Have your way. Have your way. 
Keep on praying. The boldest story in all of history, there is no one bolder, is the boldness of the love of God who would send his son, his only son, Jesus, who would become an innocent sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again from the dead so that we could be saved. You want to know a bold scripture? Listen to this. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Guess who that includes? That includes me. It includes you. It includes the adulteress, the luster, someone who has got greed, someone who's got pride, someone who's failed at marriage, someone who just can't seem to get it right, someone who's filled with unforgiveness. It includes you, teenager, who's lost your virginity. It includes you who are struggling with sexual identity and sexual issues. It means you who has anger towards your dad. It includes you who has anger towards God. But Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this morning, there are some of you that God brought here for this moment. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to call on the name of Jesus and he's going to hear you and he will forgive you and he will make you new. But here's something you need to know. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my father. In other words, if you won't go public, I'm not going public either. If you do confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. So there are those of you today that it's time for you to give your life to Christ. I want everybody to look up now. Everybody look up. Those of you who would say, I want to know Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want forgiveness in front of God and everybody else here. I don't care what anybody else says or thinks because I need Jesus. I'm a fool for Christ. Jesus, take my life. I boldly give it to you. Would you just lift up your hands right now if that's you? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Be bold. You know, it's not too late. It's not too late. If that's you, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. I don't care any longer. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I want to know you. Some of you, this is the first time you've made that decision. And I'm so excited. So we're all going to pray with you. So let's just pray. Repeat after me. All of us praying together. Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe you died for me so that I can live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you boldly for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Come on, everybody shout and thank God and worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for those that are welcome into your family today, Lord. We celebrate you, God. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, church. If there's ever a time to celebrate, it's now. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.